Welcome to Clothed with the Sun, our daily reading of the Gospel and a brief meditation. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, March 24th, 2023, the eve of the Incarnation slash Annunciation to Mary of the Angel Gabriel, big feast that we're going to celebrate this Saturday. And it is also the Friday of the fourth week of Lent. Today's reading is from the Gospel according to John. Jesus moved about within Galilee. He did not wish to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. But the Jewish feast of tabernacles was near. But when his brothers had gone up to the feast, he himself also went up, not openly, but as it were, in secret. Some of the inhabitants of Jerusalem said, Is he not the one they are trying to kill? And look, he is speaking openly, and they say nothing to him. Could the authorities have realized that he is the Christ? But we know where he is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. So Jesus cried out in the temple area as he was teaching and said, You know me, and also know where I am from. Yet I did not come on my own, but the one who sent me, whom you do not know, is true. I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. So they tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand upon him because his hour had not yet come. Continuing today with the Gospel of John, we've been reading John 5. Now today, the Gospel is from John chapter 7, but it continues on in Jesus appearing in the public square, Pharisees and leaders being against him, saying things against him, criticizing him, and Jesus using this as an opportunity to explain himself, his mission, where he comes from, his relationship with the Father, etc., I wanted to focus a little bit today, since the past couple days we focused a lot on the Father, his relationship with him, and how all that works. He repeats himself a little bit today, but I wanted to focus on the idea that Jesus knows they're going to kill him. Initially, that causes him not to go where these certain people are. Then he decides to go, but he goes secretly. (laughs) And then, a short time later, he's speaking openly. And he knows what they're saying against him. He reads their hearts and their minds. He can hear them perhaps as well. And it seems like there was never really any fear in the first place, but definitely as he's speaking, all fear. If fear was there, it's gone. But we know in our Lord, you know, there's a holy reverential fear for his father, but he, Jesus is not afraid of human beings. And Jesus preaches openly. Jesus talks about who he is. Once again, he talks about his father which is actually part of the bigger picture here of what's happening, what I'm about to talk about. But it says they tried to arrest him, but no one laid a hand upon him because his hour had not yet come. I think this could be, among many other things, this could be a great meditation on trust. Jesus trusts his father. He knows his hour has not yet come. There will be a time, his hour that he refers to, in which he will lay down his life for the salvation of the world. He says later, I lay my down my life down freely and I freely take it up again. So even when it is time for him to suffer, 
He's not going to be afraid, and he's going to willfully do it. But he knows this is not yet the time. His hour has not yet come. In other parts, they speak of an hour of our Lord as, and Jesus does, in terms of just his hour to preach, his hour to make himself known. Earlier on, it's not even that time yet. But this is very specifically talking about them harming Jesus. They want to arrest him. They want to lay hands upon him. His hour has not yet come. So therefore, he slips through their midst. We hear that particular line when Jesus visits Nazareth, and they want to throw him off a cliff. And it says he goes through their midst because his hour had not yet come. So Jesus knows he was not going to be harmed because it's not his time. It's not time for him. How much trust do we have that God is going to provide for us? God is going to take care of us. I mean, sometimes we need to use prudence and common sense, which it says Jesus does earlier on. He avoids certain people. Yet with others, he still knows he's going to be fine. He just knows it. I think of times when maybe I should have been a little bit more careful. I remember one time leaving an Eagles game, Philadelphia Eagles, where the fans were just insane. And yet I parked in one of the worst parking lots, and then I was threatened. And yeah, I was in a little bit of a danger. I got back in my car. My friend who's a Philly cop said, hey, why didn't you call me? I didn't even think of that. I was just afraid for my life at that moment. This is a couple of years back. But it was imprudent on my part to go there, to park there. I was a little too trusting. I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm thinking. Well, we won the game. Everybody will be in a good mood. Yeah, good luck with that. That doesn't happen there at the link, especially when everybody's drinking. But the Lord is asking us to trust. There are certain things in our lives where we have to trust, but he tells us to trust. He tells us he will provide for us. He will protect us. He will take care of us. And through all this, he's connecting us with his father who is loving, who is deserving of our trust. Sometimes we need to test that trust. Start to pray and start to ask him for the things that you need. Start to spend time with him in prayer. Tell him what your desires are. It's amazing to me, more and more amazing as I go, that there's certain things that maybe I never asked him for before. And now I'm a little bit more bold. I ask and he answers. It might not always be exactly what I asked for, but I know he's answering me. When I tell him I need this, I'm hurting for that, I, I, I worry about this. And he, he, he doesn't just give us what we need, but he has a plan. He's got it all worked out. In fact, he worked it out long before we asked. He knew we were going to ask. He wants us to ask. But he's got it all worked out, and it's always for our greatest good when we put our life in his hands. When we turn to him, when we trust in him, when we lay it down before him. I was telling a friend a story yesterday. This is a great story. Oh, my goodness. Um, I was in Medjugorje uh, almost two years ago visiting. Now, whenever I give a talk like this, I always have to say Medjugorje is neither approved by the church nor is it condemned. It is being investigated. And that's the official word. People can say, oh, I think it's real. I think it's fake. Well, whatever because it's being investigated by the church. That is the official ruling. So I'm going to end that discussion right there. And I'm going to mention Medjugorje again, because it's a place that's important to me. And yes, the church is 
evaluating it. They haven't condemned it. They haven't approved it. Anyway, I was there almost two years ago and it was a little bit of an off season. And when I got there, see in my contract for the trip, it said I was going to have breakfast and dinner provided for. So I brought enough cash to pay for lunch each day. I didn't really bring a lot of extra money with me. I knew I was going to have to pay for my lunch. So I just figured, Hey, let's eat a late breakfast and really load up on breakfast. And then with dinner, well, yeah, going to, you know, look forward to that dinner time. I'm usually pretty hungry when I'm there. Cause they eat a little bit later in Europe. Anyway, when I got to the hotel, come to find out I was the only one staying there at that time for like the first three, four five days that I was there. I was there a little under a week and I asked them, you know, aren't you providing breakfast and dinner? They said, Oh, we can't provide dinner. We only, we only have you. So they went against their word, the people that own the hotel, they provided a wonderful breakfast for me every day, but dinner was not provided. So I said, Lord, well, I got to put this in your hands. Lord, you have to take care of me. I have money for lunch. I don't have money for dinner. Lord, you're going to have to provide dinner. And I asked him, I wasn't rude about it. I asked him, Lord, please make sure I have dinner each day. And he loves it when we pray like that. He loves it because he it's 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 entertaining to see what's the Lord going to do because <laughs> he he's so good and he he just he's he wants to take care of us anyway. Um, I was uh, helping out at mass. I was giving out communion, and there were many many people there from Ireland. And um, well, as I was giving out communion, there was a young lady. And she came up and she was from Ireland and she grabbed the host out of my hand and ran with it. So I chased after her and I was able to catch her and I grabbed her hand and it was just all very quick. I mean, when you let that host go, you have to make sure the person receives it. Otherwise you're responsible. That's, that's God right there in her hand. So I grabbed her arm and I grabbed the host back from her and I said, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I was going to take him back to me seat and I was going to talk to him a bit before praying. Now, yeah, maybe that's true. Maybe it's not, but it's completely inappropriate. So I said, listen to me, if you're going to receive him, you can, you have to receive right here. Otherwise, you know, you, you're not allowed to, to receive communion. I, I forget my exact words, but I basically just told her the rule. You have to receive him right here in front of me. And she broke down and cried and ran. And then I felt horrible. Okay. So I was about to make my way back when suddenly I realized a crowd had gathered behind me. They were all watching. It was all these Irish people. And they looked and they said, way to go. You've done a good job. And they all congratulated me. <laughs> and they said, yeah, we don't see that very often. Good job. Anyway, they were so happy that I defended the Eucharist. And it just made my day to see the reaction of these people. Well, from there on out, remember the whole thing about dinner. Every night, I would just walk down the main strip in the town. And as I would walk down the street, there was always an Irish family. There was always a group from Ireland each night that would shout my name and say, come on over here. You're the one that that took the host back from the girl and, and wouldn't let her receive, aren't you? Well, come on, have dinner with us. And I even, um, one man came up to me and said, uh, Oh, I heard what you did. I heard, you know, with the girl, you didn't give her communion. You told her, you told her what was right. You defended our Lord. And I said, oh, were you there? Were you watching? He said, no, 
My wife called me from Dublin and told me all about it. I'm thinking, oh my goodness, it made its way to Dublin and back, this little story. But yes, because I had an opportunity to defend our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, I was offered dinner every single night. People wanted to buy me food. And that's just one example of so many stories. When we live the faith, our life becomes an adventure. And the Lord just, he writes the story. He provides. Our Lord is absolutely amazing. So the Lord provided for me that week, and he always does. Very often, I'll say, Lord, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Can you please, I don't know, help me to cross paths with this person? It happens so often when I say, Lord, I miss this person. I want to see that person, that that person will call me. Or I will happen to see that person when I'm out. Something to that effect. How many times people have been sick and they ask for prayers? Maybe I was asking for prayers and someone prayed for me. Sometimes it's me praying for someone else. And suddenly you're feeling better. Suddenly the person doesn't have the symptoms that they had. Suddenly that illness that was supposed to last for months is uh, only lasting a couple days. I had a good friend. She passed away from cancer. But a few years back, we have a uh, Padre Pio shrine not far from me, and I took her to the shrine when she was very, very sick on chemo, and uh, she was not given a physical cure. That particular prayer was not answered. We took her to the shrine, and we prayed over her with a relic, and a lot of people prayed for her. But an amazing thing happened. She recovered her inner strength. She didn't feel horrible anymore. She continued to die from cancer. She continued to do her chemo treatments, but her strength, her energy returned, and she actually went back to school because of it. She finished her degree, and she started a full-time job, and she still, you know, continued to deteriorate, and eventually she did die, and that was all on schedule, but what an amazing miracle. Up to that point, she was depressed, and she was completely drained of all energy, and after that little time in prayer at that shrine, she suddenly was bursting with energy and had a very, very powerful drive to want to succeed and basically fulfill some plans that the Lord had for her, some things the Lord wanted to give her that maybe she wasn't able to receive before that. The Lord always does provide. So that is the uh, the theme here today. The Lord, the Father protected Jesus. Jesus knew everything's going to be okay. It's not my time yet. Eventually his time come, and eventually it came, I mean, and, and we all have times that we are called to make some sacrifices, that we are called to endure. But we have to remember, God provides, and to the degree that we give him our attention and our love and spend time with him and pour out our troubles before him and also tell him all of our desires, to that same degree, he just is overjoyed to act in our lives and give us everything that we need. God bless you and have a great day.